Welcome to Grand Rapids Baptist Church Online. We're so glad you guys could join us, and those who are in here in the auditorium, we're so glad that you're here as well. Just the other day, uh, yesterday actually, my four-year-old daughter, Pippa, looked at my wife, and she said to her, Mommy, I have your eyes. And then, which is really cute, and then she looked at me, and she says, she said, Daddy, Shifu, which is our dog, has your eyes. Uh, so I thought that was quite encouraging right there. The dog has my eyes, you know. Uh, not, not everything that you hear is true. That was funny, but it's not true. And there's a lot of things going around on the internet, uh, a lot of talk going on, and we just can't, it's hard for us to, to discern what's true out there. I love what the Bible says. It says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. I am so thankful as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, that I can go to something that's true, that's solid, that's objective, that my soul can rest in. There's a lot of restless souls out there today, even those watching online. And let me tell you, we need the word of God in our hearts more than any time in human history. You know, the Bible says faith or trust in God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, and I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter number 42. We're gonna look at Psalm 42 and Psalm chapter 43 uh, this morning. But as you're turning there, I wanna talk a little bit about uh, the Bible. So every book in the Bible deals with different scenarios and it deals with different issues in life. Some books of the Bible are like, are like going to a science museum. Um, it shows facts, it shows, uh, it shows uh, different scenarios, how things work, um, and, and oftentimes there's very little emotion involved in that. And some books of the Bible are represented as, as like going to an art museum. Um, it's very uh, abstract, it's, it's expressive, it's emotional. Uh, and so, so some books of the Bible just tell you how to live, like the book of James, okay? But the book of Psalms is more expressive, it's poetic, it's emotional. The book of Psalms teaches us that it's okay to be emotional. What's not okay is for that emotion to guide us. But it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to, to cry out to God. In fact, the most common prayer you'll see in the Bible, that you'll see throughout all of Scripture, the most common prayer is what's called a lament. A lament is a complaint. And so what the Bible is teaching here is if you're good at complaining, you're good at praying. The most common prayer you find in the Bible is a complaint. In Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, it's David complaining to God. His situation is dire. His enemies are, are pushing against him. They're lying to him about his God, and he's, his soul is being depressed. And, and, and he's crying out to God, saying, God, would you, would you save me? Would you be a part of my life? Would you reveal yourself? Would you deliver me from my enemies? And he's complaining to God. The Psalms reveal that it's okay to be emotional, as long as you allow truth to direct your emotions. Again, that's why we have to go to the truth because the truth is we can't allow our emotions to 
guide us or direct us. I was talking to uh, one of our church members yesterday, Jonathan Sherrick. I'm sure him and Mariah and their kids are watching online right now. And we were talking about emotions on the phone yesterday. And, and he said he was listening to a preacher and he said, that preacher said, your emotions are a gauge, not a guide. I thought, man, that is so true and so good. We aren't supposed to allow our emotions to guide our actions and our steps in life. We're, they're, they're simply there. These emotions that God's given us are, are there to, to, as a gauge of where we're at. If we're depressed, we feel oppressed, we feel hopeless, we're anxious, we're depressed. Th- th- this is a, a gauge of where our soul is at. And we have to act on that. Where do, where do we go when we're feeling this way? How do we resolve these, these emotions that we wanna, we wanna get rid of? You know, we all feel... Uh, we, we all want to feel good. We all want to feel at peace and we all want to feel joy and contentment. We, we like those emotions. We have no problem feeling that. We don't, we don't look to God and blame him for those emotions, although that's where those emotions do come from. But we often, we often do not know what to do when we feel down. And, and there's a lot of Christians who will even say, I just don't know where to go or where to turn. And you know, as a pastor, I'm like, well, there's God. And they're like, okay, there's God, but how do I turn to God? How do I, how do I give this emotion to God? Or how's, how does God change me from the inside out? Do you know right now, during this entire crisis, a drug and alcohol abuse is skyrocketing. People are buying alcohol like never before today. It's a way of coping with their negative emotions. Uh, suicide is up. Domestic disputes are up. You talk to police officers today, there's more calls coming in for domestic violence and disputes. Calls to, to help hotlines are up 840% since January. Uh, people are feeling restless. They're feeling hopeless. They're, they're becoming very emotional. And in Psalm chapter 42, David who scholars believe is the writer of Psalm 42 and 43, he's expressing this emotion, this hopelessness, this restlessness, this depression. He he says his soul is downcast. And so our passage in Psalm 42 deals with this exact subject. I'm so glad that the Bible gives us an answer to these issues and to these problems. Now, let me tell you, We're not asking God to take away the problem, although he will. This will end. I promise you're watching online. This will end. They all do. The question is, what are you going to do in the midst of this problem? What are you going to do today for the rest of the day? What are you going to do this next week? How are you going to manage these these negative emotions or or these, these imaginations that keep casting our soul down? What are we going to do about that? Well, let's read Psalm 42, and let's get a little glimpse into the soul of David while he's being oppressed by his enemies. Look what it says in Psalm 42. He says in verse 1, As the heart, that's the deer, panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He said, when when, when am I going to finally just die and see you, God? He says in verse 3, my tears have been my meat day and night. He is crying, weeping day and night. He's got such a downcast soul. 
while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Oh, you see his enemies mocking him, mocking his God. You know, if your God's so real, where's he at? Verse four, David says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. He's looking back on all the good days is what he's doing here in verse number four. Look at verse five. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? So he's talking to himself. Why do I feel so depressed? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for, for the help of his countenance. Verse six, O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Look at verse 10. As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? I love verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. They say, though, if you look at your Bibles, at the beginning of Psalm chapter 42, it says to the chief musician, Mashkel, for the sons of Korah, uh, David would write these words. He would pour out his heart to God. He'd write these songs or these praises or these prayers, and he would give them to the sons of Korah, which would, they would put this, these words to music and they would actually sing them up towards God. These were songs that they sang. And even chapter 43 is a continuation of chapter 42. And so this is David's prayer, his cry out to God during his time of oppression. So what can we learn from this passage? We'll break this down. What can we learn from it? Well, first of all, we can learn from David that he was desperate for God. He was desperate for God. And, and listen, can I tell you, every human soul on earth ought to be desperate for God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. At some point in your life, at some point, your soul is going to be in a place of desperation. And what David is saying is, is that when I look around in my life, when I look around at all the things that could fulfill and refresh my soul, it was only God that did the job. And so he's saying, my soul is so desperate to see God, to see him work, for him to refresh my soul. And that might be where you're at today. So the writer David suffered at the hands of his tormenting enemies. And in this first stage, we're going to look at three stages, this desperation for God. The first stage, we see the psalmist is desperate for God. He's in a dry place. He's in a dry place spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Um, in the hot, arid, dry climates of the Judean wilderness, David looks up and he sees a deer panting and struggling to find water. It's mouth open, tongue out, panting for water. Deer have very few sweat glands. 
which they use to exchange heat. Panting is what a deer uses to cool down, and panting is a way of getting rid of, of their body heat. Okay? We similarly need a well. We need that water source, a source of refreshment for our emotional and mental drought, that our soul is panting for something that is going to refresh and cool our soul, to, to give it nourishment. And David is saying, I'm desperate for you, God, because it was only in you that I found that refreshment. So humans turn to a lot of things to refresh their soul, only to find that it never, never satisfies like they think it will or what they promise it will. Uh, for some people, they turn to what I would consider a good thing, like food. Food's good. I, I enjoy food. Uh, I'm looking forward to the restaurants opening up. I'm looking forward to, to that. Um, you know, people turn to people, to other people. Uh, I know that, uh, I know that uh, so we have a guy who works for, for Verizon, and he sent me a, a message, and it showed how many more minutes are being used today than ever before, how many more text messages are being sent, and FaceTime is going on. I mean, we're talking people are really, and that's a good thing. We should be doing those things. But, but listen, you cannot ask, ask people or TV or food, or whatever it is that's out there that's not God, to give you what only God can. It's unfair. It's unhealthy. Food's not going to give you what God can give you. It doesn't give you love, joy, peace, and contentment. You can't ask a human, your wife, or your husband, or your kids, or your friends, or whoever it is, or your pastor, to give you what only God can give you. And you know what's so great about God is he's everywhere at all times. You can cry out to him in your car, in your house, wherever you find yourself, God is there with you. And as David did in his desperation, he cried out to God and God heard his prayer and gave him what he needed. But some people turn to good things and some people, when they are desperate, when their soul is desperate to find fulfillment, they turn to bad things. When I say bad things, I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about something that is obviously going to destroy not just your soul, but your physical body. They turn to alcohol. People turn to drugs. Uh, people turn to relationships that are extremely, extremely unhealthy and draw your heart away from God. Um, and uh, they turn to different kinds of entertainment that will just destroy your mind and your soul. And I like what James says. I say this to our church all the time. It says, when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And when, what it says is when sin is finished, it brings forth death. And so if you find yourself, you find your soul connecting to all these things, good things and bad things, but never to God, you're destroying yourself. You're destroying yourself. You're not going to find, you're going to be like that deer panting after the water brook. You're just like, ah, that didn't work, that didn't work, and, and that didn't work. And, and you just keep, you're going to bounce from one thing to the next thing until you finally look to God. I'm telling just, just skip all of that and turn to God now. Man, I did that when I was 21 years old. My wife did when she was 17. And uh, we, we know so many people from our church who have turned to God, and they would tell you God satisfies now, let me tell you, there's Christians who have forgotten, taken their eyes and their focus off of God, and they find themselves panting like the deer in the wilderness. 
So let me just say this. The secret to having your soul refreshed is Christ in me, not me in a different circumstance. Okay, the, the difference, the secret is Christ in me, not, not a different circumstance. So why do we suffer from discouragement? Why do we suffer from helplessness and, and depression often where you just don't even feel like getting out of bed? Why do we get to this point? Well, David shares some secrets with us. He pours out his heart. He's very honest and vulnerable in these verses. And let me just share three of them. First of all, he felt that God was distant. Look in verse one and two. Look at, look at it in your Bible. As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's like, you just seem distant. Like I'm panting after you, but you're not near. And I can't wait for, for me to be in your presence. But, but, but you just seem distant, God. You seem far away from me. But can I tell you, he's not. Although you may feel that he's distant and far away, he's not. He's at work in your life today. He's working in your life right now. I love the, the verse that says, he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He has never stopped working. In fact, he's working. I believe we, we could see the manifestations of his working even more today than ever before, but you got to look to his promises and to his words and believe with all your heart that he has never stopped working. He's still fulfilling his promises. You know what he says? He says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men lib liberally and abradeth not. That's a promise. You can go to God. You can go to your Father and say, Father, I need wisdom in this time, in this turmoil, uh, in these uncertain times. Lord, I need your wisdom. And he'll give it to you. If you're a child of God, you can go to him and say, God, I need your joy. And he'll give it to you. God, I need your love. And he'll give it to you. You just have to simply step out. You have to step out. So he felt depressed because he felt that God was distant. That wasn't true. Secondly, others opposed him. Look in verse number three. My tears have been my meat night, or day and night while they, the enemy, continually say unto me, where is thy God? He was depressed, he was anxious, and his soul was down because of others, because others opposed him. You know, you, you will always have people who don't like you. You're all, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're always going to have somebody who doesn't like you, who just doesn't like that you're a Christian, doesn't like who you're with, doesn't like what church you go to, they just won't, they won't like you at work because they seem, they, they feel that you're a threat. There's just people who won't like you. But your goal in life as a believer, I'm talking to Christians right now, your goal in life is not to get everyone to like you, your goal in life is to please God with your life. That's your goal in life. Lord, I want to please you. And, and listen, God pleasers will always please the right people. If you please God, you always make the right people happy. Okay? There will always be somebody who just doesn't like you, but I'm not living for them. I'm living for the one who died and gave his life for me. And that's, that's Jesus Christ himself. So his soul was down because God seemed distant. He wasn't. Secondly, others opposed him. If you're a believer, you're a Christian, you'll always have people who oppose you. And even if you're not a believer, you still have people who hate you. <laughs> That's just reality. That's just life. You have people oppose you. And then number three, his soul was down because he remembered better days. Look at verse four. 
when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. He, he, he remembers being with all his friends and family. The, the multitude, sound familiar? He remembers gathering together for church. Look what it says. I went with them to the house of God. Hey, do you guys remember five weeks, weeks ago, six weeks ago, when we got to meet together in the house of God? This, David's not in that place. He's in the wilderness, running from his enemies. He's looking back on better days. Man, I just remember when we used to go to the house of God and the multitude and, and we just, and, and look what it says, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. <laughs> Does this not sound familiar? He says, I'm, I'm down because I remember back in those days we got, we were worshiping together and we were having a good time together and we got to be in the auditorium with pastor and, and see him do all those weird kooky things and, and it's kind of, that's why I'm not sharing this page because we just don't know what he's going to do and I don't want to be embarrassed. There's a lot of things going on today that are different from the days before. Do you remember when we could just get together and worship? Do you, do you guys, do you rip, this would be like today. Do you remember when the economy was at 3.5% unemployment? That was just like six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, we were at 3.5% unemployment, and I believe that the 3.5% are the people who just didn't want a job. And there were companies in Grand Rapids that were hiring at $26, $27 an hour at entry-level jobs. I mean, there were more jobs six weeks ago than there were people. And now look at us. There have been 20 million people who have filed for unemployment. Some of you are, are, are wondering, this week I could you know, be laid off. Some of you already know you're going to be laid off for a couple of weeks. And you're scared. Is this, how long is this going to last? What are my finances going to be like? And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of unknowns. Do you remember that? He remembers better days. But, but I just want to encourage you with this. No matter where you find yourself today, let's say six weeks ago were better days circumstantially, okay? Let me just say this. We have to remember that any day in Jesus is a great day. I just have to say that. At any day, no matter what your circumstance is, any day in Jesus is a great day. Day. The fact of the matter is we don't even deserve to be alive, yet here we are. I like what the psalmist said when he cried out to God and he says, God, who am I that you are even mindful of me, that you even think of me? Can I tell you something as a believer or even as a non-believer? God thinks of you every single day. He prays for you, prayers that you don't even know what to pray. God loves you with an unconditional love. Can I, can I just tell you? although circumstantially things are kind of unstable, your God is not unstable. And God is close to you. And these are the days where you have to believe and live with the fact that God lives in you. And God living in you is always a good day. It's a great day. Because that is where the true source of joy, love, happiness, contentment, and long-suffering, all those things that we need come from. It comes from the presence of God, not the absence of our problems. So we first see that David's soul is, is desperate for God. Okay, now let's go to phase two. It's desperate for God. That's a good place to be. Why? Because now that's gonna direct your heart or guide your heart to being dependent on God. So now we see in verses six through 11, David is depending on God. Look what it says in verses, verse six. He says, oh my God, 
My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites, from the hill of Mizar? Wow. He says, okay, this is, this is how I'm feeling. I'm desperate for you. Now I'm going to depend on you. And that is an action you have to take. It's a, deci- it's a decision that you make. The emotional and spiritual landscape changes from, from drought. He's just panting for God to now a storm. And it's getting worse, so he's depending on God. And the writer feels like he's drowning in sorrow and in pain. Look at verse seven. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Deep calls unto deep. This is a really interesting passage because it's saying that there are these, you don't hear on these silent callings all over us all around us. And anybody who enjoys science, especially creation science, would love things like this. For example, the moon calls out silently to the deeps of the sea, and the tides come up twice a day. There's the deep calling under the deep. We don't hear it, but we know the moon is calling out to the seas, and they're rising twice a day. Pretty cool. The sun and the rain silently call out to the seeds, causing them to stir to life. We see that that's even happening in Michigan. Finally, all the daisies are coming up, or the the daffodils and the tulips, and and we just want that grass to grow, don't we? We want all the flowers to bloom and all the trees to start budding. Uh, We want, and, and it's like the rain and the sun call out to the seeds, and they just know when to bloom. It's a, it's amazing. I was asking my wife the other day. I said, "How do the how do the daffodils know when to just pop up? They just know when." The South calls unto the birds to fly down during winter. That's pretty. They just they just somehow know when to start flying south for the winter. I'm just thankful they come back. Man, I love hearing the robins sing. I love hearing all the birds chirping. It's a great thing. They just know when to come back. Ice cream calls out to me silently in the night while I'm laying in bed. And there's this, this silent, deep calling into my soul every single, every single night. Have you guys have experienced that too as well, haven't you? Especially during this COVID time, right? Like cereal, ice cream, whatever it is. Uh, why don't you just type in what your favorite thing uh, that you turn to when it comes to food. Um, but, but let me just say this. There is a silent call from God to man found in verse 8. There's a silent call from God to man in verse 8. Look what it says. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. Now, I, now I love this. Let me just stop here. I got to say this, okay? He says, in the day his love is calling out to him. It's silently saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And at at night, you know what David reveals? He reveals that God sings to us. I did not know that. Now I knew God sang, but but his love is so strong for us that he's actually, he actually at night sings to us. He sings. Now I can't wait to hear that song. I mean, we hear a lot of good songs out there, but to hear God sing, and not just that, he sings to us, is unbelievable to me. And that should help us and direct our hearts to sing out to him. He's singing to us. We got to sing to him in praise. And so we see here that, that God silently 
pours out his love towards us in the day and at night. This is what David's revealing to us in verse eight. And then he's responding just as the moon and the waves do and the sea, just as the, the rain and the sun and the seeds do. God's love calls down to us and then we respond in prayer. We respond in, in, in our hearts calling out to God. So in the middle of the chaos is a love between God and man a love between God and David. So as his enemies are oppressing him, as his soul is cast down, God's love and his song is, being, is calling out to David and then David is connecting with God through prayer and, and that is what God is doing in the midst of all of that. It's just, it's just amazing that deep calleth unto deep. The writer did not have to go to Jerusalem, which is so interesting. He, he remembered Jerusalem and he remembered those days He didn't have to go to an altar to pray or to connect with God. He connected with God right where he's at. He was reminded of God's love and his song towards him, and and David responded to that call with prayer. God, I gotta go to you. I wanna trust you. He's literally with his mouth and with his heart talking to God about his problems and his trouble. That's where the secret lies. You have to talk to God about your issues and your problems. He wants to hear them. I love what the Bible says, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. You you have to open your mouth and your heart and pour out to God the burdens that are on your heart. So God was with him in the day. And in the long hours of the night, God was with him. Now everything was quickly changing, but the Lord was still his rock. Look at verse number nine. He will say, I will say unto God, my what? My rock. <laughs> that means God is my rock. He's stable, he's strong, he's unchanging. As things around me are, are changing constantly every day, <clears throat> uh, as, as I watch the news, it just seems like uh, uh, all of the rules continue to change. Uh, we don't know, life and situations seem very uncertain, but what David is saying, God, you are certain, you are strong, you're the rock, you're stable and you're strong, you're my rock. He has to be a rock. In my front yard, there's this beautiful tree that blooms these big flowers, and, and I think it's the Rose of Sharon, but I'm not 100% sure exactly what it is, but it's not a really strong tree. Last year, the wind blew it over, kind of uprooted, and it killed half the tree. I had to lop off the branches on half the tree, and I'm hoping this year it'll come back. But I had to take that weak tree, and I had to take some cables and pull it back, and it has to be supported, or else the tree just wouldn't survive. It's too weak to hold on its own. Let me just talk to the kids and the teenagers and the young adults, uh, especially the kids and the teens. Let me just say this. That's why God gave you parents, is to support you. You can't hold it all together on your own. You have a mom and a dad. Most of you have a mom and a dad who are there to, now some of you don't like that support. You want your independence. You want freedom. But listen, the fact of the matter is you need it. You need your parents' support. You'd topple over if you didn't have them. You, all you, you would eat candy every day. You probably wouldn't go to church every weekend. Your parents, your parents are important. They're so important in your life today. But let me just talk to adults. God is that support system to keep you upright and strong as well. Just because you're the parent and you're, you're, you're helping your kids and you're stabilizing them, 
parents, adults, single adults, can I tell you, you need the support of God to stay up strong as well. You can't live this life all, all on your own. You're not independent as much as you think you are. We, are. we have to be desperate for God and we have to depend on God. He's our support system. So when your, your dependence on God, watch this, this is so good, in verse 11, your dependence upon God is revealed in your appearance. Did you know your face reveals whether or not you're depending on God? You know, you can tell when somebody's really down. You could tell when somebody just has a peace that passeth all understanding. Look at verse 11. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my what? countenance and my God. He's the health of my countenance. Like, although I'm, I'm in the cave, I'm running away from my enemies and my circumstances are, are troubling my soul, God, only you can lift up my countenance. Now, I'm not talking about walking around like, like, you're, just, like you're just happy all the time, faking it. But when you have a peace of God, you, it just kind of shows up on your face. When you have the joy of the Lord, you, it just seems like, what, why isn't... Aren't you troubled by what's happening? No, the Lord's in control. I'm, I'm, he's the one affecting my heart and guiding me. I'm not gonna let my emotions or my circumstance guide my, my life. I'm gonna allow God to do that. And so he's his delight and the health of his countenance. In fact, he says that in verse number five of the next chapter as well. So we see that David is desperate towards God then he, then he becomes dependent upon God. And then watch this, this is the best part. He delights in God. That's the third phase. He delights in God. So notice the third stage. The emotional and spiritual landscape changes to delight. So he was discouraged. His soul was downtrodden. And now we find David in delight. He's excited about what God is doing. Do you know what changed though? What made the change? What was the difference? Was it food? Was it a relationship? Was his, his, his circumstances changing? No, none of that. What changed was the psalmist focus. If you don't get anything from this message, get this. What changed was not his circumstances. What changed was the psalmist, was David's focus. What he decided to focus on. On. It was his focus was no longer on himself. His focus was no longer on his his past uh, uh, his past enjoyments. It wasn't on his disappointments. It wasn't on his circumstances anymore. What made the difference was that David's focus was now upon his God. What made the difference was David's focus was now upon God, who was sure, strong, a rock, and that was stable. I guess the question is, in this moment right now, do you truly delight in God? Do you truly delight in God? You know, when I was younger, I, I imagined myself being a dad, you know? Like, what's it gonna, like being, what's it gonna be like being a dad? You know, am I gonna, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get them in sports. And, and this is before I was saved, you know? And I was, I was thinking about... Uh, uh, like being a good dad and helping them. And, and boy, I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a dad of three daughters and we got a son on the way. And I'll tell you what, it has exceeded my expectations. It is beyond what I ever expected. It's better. It's awesome. I love 
being a dad. Every single morning when I get home from, from work, uh, if you guys don't know, I, I throw some boxes at UPS from like five in the morning till eight and I get home and, and when I pull in, the door to the garage opens up uh, every single time I get home and guess who's there at the door? It's Pippa, my four-year-old. And when I open my car door, she goes and just yells with, with as much delight and excitement and enthusiasm you could imagine. She goes, Daddy, you're home. And man, I, like, there's, I just can't think of any, anything better that goes on in my day than that right there. To see her, she's like, she said, Daddy, you coming in? I'm like, of course I'm coming. I'm coming in right now. And then her next phrase is, do you want to wrestle? And then uh, we, we have to wrestle on the floor. And it's fun. I love, love being a dad. Let me ask you this. Do you delight in God? Do you delight in going to God and seeing God work in your life? God, I can't wait to go to you in the morning. I can't wait to go to you during the day. And when my heart is overwhelmed, I, I cling to you. Is that you? Is that what you're doing? See, if your delight in God only happens when things go your way, then your delight is not in God, it's in your circumstances. And that's where a lot of people find themselves. It's like, okay, I'll go to God as long as God does what I want him to do. I'll go to God as long as he changes my circumstances. But here's the key. David in the Psalms goes to God. God doesn't change anything in his circumstances and gives him in the moment his delight. God's delight. I love that. In fact, I'll just do this. This isn't in my notes, but if you go to Psalm chapter four, that David has a prayer. And this is so good. He's, he's being uh, chased by his enemies. And he says in verse number three, it says, but know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. And he says, stand in awe and sin not, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. And, and, I, and I love this. It says uh, in verse number six, there be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put, look, watch this in verse seven. Thou, you God, have put gladness in my heart more than in the time when their corn and their wine was in increase. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. I love that because he's saying, you're not taking away my problems, but in this moment, you're putting gladness and joy in my heart right now in the moment. And that is what God offers to you today. That's what God wants for you today. And so the question is, do you delight in the person of God being in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being in you that is where you find your true delight. Not having your circumstances change, not getting what you want, but getting what you need. And what you and I need is the person of Jesus Christ. So we see the stages here. We see he remembers the former days and becomes depressed because of his oppressors. And then he remembers God. He said, well, I'm gonna turn my heart towards God. And then God becomes his refuge and God becomes his delight. So the way out of depression, the way out of fear and trouble was, watch this, to go to God. The way out of his depression, fear, and trouble was to direct his heart towards God, who is the author and finisher of your faith. That's what it says in Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. We have to look 
to Jesus. We have to go to God to get out of the spiral, the downward spiral to depression and fear and trouble. Now, here's the best part. You ready? Here's the best part. Look in, look in verse number five. In fact, let me just read all of Psalm 43. Look what it says in Psalm 43. This is, this, is, this is David turning to God. This is him delighting in God. Look what it says in verse one. Judge me, oh God. Nobody says that, do they? <laughs> Judge me, God. God, would you just examine my heart today? We don't want heart examination. We, just, we, just, we don't want to change. We want God to change our circumstances. But, but he was being honest. Lord, would you judge me and plead my cause against an ungodly nation? Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. That's a good prayer to ask. Lord, deliver me from these people. For thou art God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. I love that. He doesn't say change my circumstance. He says, just send me light. Send me guidance and wisdom and truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God, my, my, my joy, my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee. So he's gonna sing to God. He's gonna take his harp out and he's gonna sing to God. He's gonna worship God. Oh God, my God. Now this is, watch this. So now he's gonna argue with himself in verse number five. This is so great. He says, he's talking to himself. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? It's kind of like he, he's talking to himself right now. He's giving himself a little pep talk. He says, why, why are you so cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. And why art thou disquieted within me? He's kind of like looking in the mirror and saying, why are you, come on, man, wake up. Why are you so depressed? Why are you so disquieted? You know what he says to himself? This is what he says to himself. Hope in God. <laughs> I love that. He says, hey, hey, come on, dummy. Hope in God. You're fine. You'll be fine. Hope in God. This is what he's telling himself. For I shall yet praise him. He said, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to hope in God, and I'm going to praise God, who is the health of my countenance and my God. The opinions of others and my circumstances and nothing else is my God. I have a God. He dwells in my heart and I'm gonna look to him. I'm gonna hope in him and depend on him. That's what David is doing in this moment. He has himself a little talk in this moment and it changes his whole entire mood and spirit. And his soul is finding refreshment in that God, nothing else. So you and I have to give ourselves this same talk. Like, why am I so down right now? Why am I so depressed? Why am I so anxious? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna hope in God. I'm gonna look to God. I'm gonna, and not only that, I'm gonna praise him. I'm gonna lift my voice in praise to God who's the health of my countenance. He's gonna lift me up who is my God. So we have to seek God's face, and it's only then that your face will really and truly reveal God. So that was to the Christian. But let me just talk to you if you don't know Christ. You've never received Christ as your personal Savior. Everything I just talked about could not be true in your life until you have God in your life. You have to be saved or born again or have invited Jesus into your life to be your God, your Lord and your Savior. Let me tell you something. Jesus himself died on a cross. God himself died upon a cross, 
shed his blood, which was the payment for your sin. And he was buried in a tomb. And after three days, as we celebrated last week, he rose again from the grave. And that rising from the grave declares to you and I that he had conquered sin and death. And the Bible teaches that if we put our faith and trust in his sacrifice of what he did, the Bible says you're born again, you're saved. Your, your soul is guaranteed a place in heaven with God for eternity. And then you have access to the same peace and joy that God had offered David in Psalm 42 and in Psalm 43. But it's only when you get saved. When you get saved, you gotta get born again. You say, Pastor Cody, I'd like to be saved. How do I get saved? I'm glad you asked. How you get saved is you call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to give a tithe. You don't have to practice religious ceremonialism. All you need to do is call upon your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll lead you in a prayer to do that. And this prayer is it's not the words that are magical. It's you believing in your heart that Jesus is God, died for your sins, that you're a sinner, and he rose again from the grave to pay for your sin. And if you're not saved, would you pray this prayer in your heart with me, with me right now? Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you. But Jesus, I believe you came to this earth to die for my sin, to pay for my sin. And I believe that you rose again from the grave after three days. And I am asking you to be in my life, to save me. Thank you for loving me for who I am. I want to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you, if you, if you prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that with me, and you, I would encourage you on our webpage or, uh, or even on our Facebook live feed, uh, if you could let us know, that would be so incredible and awesome. We would love to send you a Bible. We'd love to help you grow in your, your faith with Jesus Christ. On our website, it has a little tab. If you're on the live feed, it says, I prayed that prayer. If you just click, I prayed that prayer, uh, fill out your information. We'd love to get some information over to you. We just want to help you grow. We want to love on you. And if you're a Christian, you're a believer, I encourage you to do what David did. He turned his focus upon his God, and God changed everything. Lord, thank you again for our time together. Thank you that we can come to you and turn to you just like David did in Psalm 42 and 43. And may it change our lives forever. May we experience your presence every day. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. Lord bless you.